You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to Exodus chapter 6. We're extremely thankful for the work that the Coweta Pregnancy Services does uh, in downtown Noonan and the people that they're able to um, serve in the surrounding areas. One of the things that we met about at our recent leadership retreat as we were examining the budget and making plans for our giving for this year was wanting to uh, further uh, analyze how we could give more uh, to a ministry like this. And so um, we look forward to next week sharing with you some intentional ways. Some of you got a chance to go to the uh, fundraiser gala that took place back in the fall. Um, That's a huge fundraiser for them. We always try to participate in that. But uh, one of the points of discussion was us wanting to do more Um, to support life in light of the changes that have come recently in our government and the opportunities to uh, jump on board with that support. And so uh, we're going to share with you next week some ways that um, you're giving this year will intentionally be able to impact um, ministries like this. Um, Super thankful for uh, Adam sharing um, just our uh, understanding of deacons within our church and how they function here. I look forward to seeing the fruit of your prayers and how God can increase those that are serving uh, in an official capacity here. Um, As you can see, we've got a large crowd today. I got a text message while we were meeting already that we're out of chairs on the other side as well. So um, it's a great problem to have. And um, as we continue to see more people come, we want to make sure that uh, we've got people in place to help serve. And and we're looking forward to to seeing how God works and moves um, in that area. Exodus chapter 6 is where we're at today. Um, You'll remember uh, two weeks ago, um, we saw Moses experience that initial failure of going to Pharaoh, um, trying to get the people released, Pharaoh saying no, um, it impacting the Israelites negatively. We talked about how we have to expect trials to come in unique ways and expect him to be working faithfully in the midst of those, that God had promised this wasn't going to work. Now Moses is seeing that specifically. And he starts to panic. He starts to despair. And just like we know that Scripture promises trials, we can't panic when those specific trials come our way. Uh, Our last sermon that we looked at, we talked about how trials are promised generally, then they come specifically. But most of the time, all we get are the general promises to help us, right? And so we need to keep coming back to the same promises over and over to help sustain us. Exodus chapter 6, God has responded to Moses' why questions Um, but not answering those whys. He just simply tells him to keep doing what he's supposed to be doing. And he reminds him of what he's already promised to do for his people. We pick up in verse 10, um, after Moses gets that uh, renewed information from God, goes back to the children of Israel. It says that the children of Israel did not listen to Moses. Their spirits were broken. The harsh slavery was getting the best of them, and they were not willing to listen to this instruction about what God was going to do. It says in verse 10, So the Lord said to Moses, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. 
It's there that we have uh, genealogies of both, of both Moses and Aaron kind of inserted here, and, and it feels like it just disrupts the flow. It's like, what's happening here? Like, we've got a story, we've got a narrative, and then did somebody just like lose a page and then decide to insert it here? Like, why is this not at the beginning of Exodus? And we'll talk about that in a minute, why I think that's the case. But it says, these are the heads of their father's houses, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, Hanok, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. These are the clans of Reuben. The sons of Simeon, Jamuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jason, Zohar, and Shal, the son of a Canaanite woman. These are the clans of Simeon. These are the names of the sons of Levi, according to their generations. Gershon, Kohath, and Merari, the years of the life of Levi being 137 years. The sons of Gershon, Libni, and Shemai by their clans. The sons of Kohath, Amram, Izhar, Hebron, and Uziel, the years of the life of Kohath being 133 years. The sons of Merari, Mali, and Mushi, these are the clans of the Levites according to their generations. Amram took as his wife Jochebed, his father's sister, and she bore him Aaron and Moses, the years of the life of Amram being 137 years. The sons of Izhar, Korah, Nephej, and Zikri, the sons of Uziel, Mishael, Elzapan, and Sithri. Aaron took as his wife Elsheba, the daughter of Amnadab, and the sister of Nashon, and she bore him Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. The sons of Korah, Aser, Elkanah, and Abisaph. These are the clans of the Korahites. Eleazar, Aaron's son, took as his wife one of the daughters of Putiel, and she bore him Phinehas. These are the heads of the father's houses of the Levites by their clans. These are the Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring out the people of Israel from the land of Egypt by their hosts. It was they who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing out the people of Israel from Egypt, this Moses and this Aaron. On the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said to the Lord, behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? When we think about wanting to give up, I want you to remember the truths that we're going to see today. Our summary sentence, when excuses swell in our minds and difficulty springs up in our path, we must remember that our call is to follow the Lord in obedience by trusting him to overcome our limitations and overwhelm our opposition as the great I am. When excuses start to swell in our minds and then difficulty springs up in our path, we have to remember that our call is to follow the Lord. We follow him in obedience by trusting him, trusting that he's going to overcome our limitations and he's going to overwhelm our opposition because he's the great I am. We're going to see how Moses is reminded over and over by the Lord, you keep coming back to the fact that I am the Lord. Keep coming back to the fact that I am the Lord. For our kids, when we want to give up on following God, we need to remind ourselves of how great he is. You'll remember a couple of weeks ago when we talked about when tough times come and we're tempted to despair that we're to hang on to some specific truths. We're to remember that God remains in control. We're to remember that God remains committed. We're to remember that God remains compassionate. These are the, the reinforcing truths that are given to us at the beginning of chapter six, right? God reminds Moses, I'm in control, not Pharaoh. You're going to see what I'm about to do to Pharaoh. I'm committed to the people. I know their hurts. I know their troubles. I am coming to rescue them. I'm compassionate. I know what's happening. 
I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. I have not forgotten. These are truths that continue to come up in our, in our sections the last couple of weeks. These are truths that we're to remember when we go through our own difficult times as well. Remembering that God is a God who keeps promises. He's a God who rules the world, and he's a God who loves his people. Man, if those three things are true, we don't have to worry about anything else, right? If he's a God who keeps his promises, man, we have a list of promises we can go to in scripture. If he's keeping all those promises, if he's the one who's in charge of the world, and if he loves his people, meaning he uses his rule for his people, man, we have all the comfort that we need. And yet these new despairs are hitting the people. And they're hitting Moses like a ton of bricks too. Right? Beforehand, at least he could say, the people are listening to me. Pharaoh didn't, but at least the people did. Now the people aren't. Now, now the people aren't listening either. And so he goes from having at least some people on his side to where he just kind of feels alone now. It's him and Aaron and everybody else feels like they're against him. Why would Pharaoh listen? Why, why would I go back to Pharaoh and talk to him again? Like Moses is at a really low point here. The people have forgotten the promises and the signs of God. They're in anguish. They don't want to listen. They don't want to respond in faith. But here's why this section is so important. Because re-engaging Moses in this work is critical. Because he's meant to carry out the I will plans that God gives in these first few verses of chapter 6. When God says, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. He's going to do it through Moses. So getting Moses re-engaged, getting him back a part of the plan is important so that he can carry out what God's going to do. God is going to use Moses to win this battle. I want to give you two quick points today as we look at this passage to kind of add to these truths that we've already gathered from the beginning of chapter 6. We remember three things about God. He's in control, he's committed, he's compassionate. But there's two things that we want to remember about ourselves, that we have a job to follow him. We have the job to follow him at all times, and we have to remember that our limitations are factored in. He's already factored in who we are. So the excuses that we come with, the circumstances that we want to pitch to him that are limiting us in our obedience, those are things he's already aware of. Those are things that he's already factored in. So we're going to see uh, just the two reminders here as we look at the um, text today that we're to remember that our job is to follow and to remember that our limitations are factored Number one, we look at our job to follow. Israel doesn't listen. Their spirits are broken. The harsh slavery has gotten the best of them, but it doesn't derail God. It may derail Moses, but it doesn't derail God because in verse 10, he says, go tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. I mean, it's as though Moses kind of stops and says, are you serious? Like, are are you paying attention to what's happening? Like, I've already gone there once. He said, no, the people now don't want to listen. Like, Even if I were to get permission from Pharaoh, I got to win the people back. Like nothing's going right. And God just seems to keep plowing forward here. The Lord says to Moses, go and tell Pharaoh, let the people of Israel go. But Moses said to the Lord, behold, the people of Israel haven't listened to me. How's Pharaoh going to listen to me? He starts throwing out the circumstances as though they're an excuse for not being obedient. Circumstances should not impact whether you continue to obey. Circumstances should not impact whether you continue to obey. In verses 10 through 13, God tells Moses to go back to Pharaoh once again. Moses responds with confusion, unbelief, and despair about the situation before him. 
He brings up his ability to speak again, right? His, his ineffectiveness to speak. He, he now refers to it as uncircumcised lips. We see it both at the beginning of our section today and at the very end of chapter 6. My lips aren't good enough to do the job for you, Lord. He says he's hindered in his ability or, or maybe he's focusing in on how he's already failed in what God had called him to do. Or maybe he even thinks back to the fact that I didn't circumcise my son. Maybe that's still part of the problem. I'm unworthy to do this. Moses's great temptation here is to give up and to give in to his surroundings. But God challenges Moses to get up and to do it again. Man, I was thinking about how this is such an important discipline that we need to learn and we need to keep teaching to our kids specifically the discipline that failure doesn't mean to stop. And we live in a culture today where it's easy to give up. And, and a lot of times parents are empowering their kids to give up. Uh, when, when the going gets tough, we look for a way to rescue them and to save them and to get them out of it. And I'm afraid that a lot of our kids today are not learning that important discipline that you're going to meet opposition at times. And there's a responsibility sometimes to push through that. Um, one of the ways that I practically try to do this with our kids at Trinity is I'll get requests you know, a teacher does something one day and I'll get a request that says, Mr. Vincent, can I drop this class and can I switch to something else? It's like, what, what has happened in one day that, that necessitates this? And so I'll talk to the kid and I'll say, hey, we're gonna have to wait a little bit. Like, we're gonna have to kind of see if things change. Like, I wanna encourage you to kind of work through this um, before I just make a quick decision to change just because you've experienced a little bit of difficulty, right? We're in a culture today where a, a lot of times difficulty, we're trying to remove it from our kids, uh, and make things as easy as possible. And this is a case where Moses wants it to be easy, right? Like, Lord, just make it easy for me. And God says, no, like, we're going to keep plowing forward. I get that the circumstances aren't desirable, but we're going to keep going forward with the plan. God challenges them to get up and to do it again. And, and I would encourage you, don't run every time something isn't perfect. It creates a habit and an expectation to do this anytime resistance is felt. And we don't get to just run away when things become hard. Things are going to be hard. We live in a fallen world where sin is rampant. Things are always going to be hard. Our work's going to be hard. Relationships are going to be hard. We don't give up on those things just when they become hard. We keep doing what we're supposed to be doing. We keep being faithful. We keep being obedient. Circumstances don't get to impact whether we obey or not. Now, in our humanness, a lot of times circumstances will impact the leadership that we provide, right? Like there's times where uh, in the classroom, maybe a teacher does things a certain way. And then we find out that this kid is impacted by some type of physical ailment, right? So you might have like a really harsh, like strict, like you can't go to the bathroom during these times of the class period. But maybe a kid has a condition where they need to go to the bathroom. I mean, a, a parent sends that in and we're like, hey, we didn't know that. We need to make an adjustment there. Think about this. Think about this. We never bring a circumstance or a situation to God that makes him say, I didn't know that. Had I known that, I would have done it differently. Or had I known that, I would have factored it in. And think about that. Even the best teachers, the best leaders, if they're not informed about the whole situation, they may make decisions that would be done differently if they had all the details. Our God has all the details. He's factored all the circumstances in. You can never bring him something unique and say, Lord, I can't be obedient to you the way that you want me to because of this. Like this situation or this circumstance or this deviance, like this thing changes everything. God would look at us and say, you think I didn't know that? 
Like you, you think I didn't know that that was going to be hard or difficult or that opposition was going to come up? No, our circumstances don't get to change whether we're obedient to him. Number two, we keep doing what we're supposed to be doing regardless of how people respond to us. Keep doing what you're supposed to be doing regardless of how people respond around you. God keeps reinforcing the plan to Moses. He's not changing anything. He's saying, listen to me, obey me. Now, put in my notes, how many times have we potentially stopped doing something we felt compelled to do because no one else seemed to respond? Man, for our students, maybe you start to feel something stirring inside of you as you're sitting here and listening to, to ways that you're supposed to live differently than a lost world, living differently than even the casual Christian world. And so you go to school and you say, you know what, I'm going to try to make some different choices and decisions. We've talked several times before about who do you choose to sit with at the lunch table? Who is your biggest influence when it comes to conversation and friendship? Maybe you decide, you know what, I'm going to try to do things differently. And you do it for a day or two and, and you feel like you get made fun of or maybe, maybe some of your friends that you thought would follow your lead in that don't. And then you're like, you know what, maybe, maybe that was a bad idea. Maybe, maybe I'll just stop and give up because that, that wasn't as easy as I thought or maybe that was hard and, and maybe people didn't respond like I thought they were going to or maybe I approached some friends about the things they talk about or the things they're doing and, and they didn't change any of it, right? Like we don't stop doing what we feel compelled to do by God because of opposition, we keep doing what we're supposed to be doing. We obey him. I put in my notes, people's responses don't impact our call to obedience. We don't get to downgrade his commands to suggestions just because we encounter opposition. God gives us orders to obey, not suggestions to consider. Think about how Moses keeps coming back to whether people will listen to him. And the irony of how concerned he is about whether other people are listening to him and how he's not overly concerned about whether he's listening to God, right? Like it's, it's all about, will people listen to me and, and us as the reader, we're thinking like, bro, just listen to God on this, right? Like quit worrying about if people are listening to you, you listen to God. So here's a quote from me, right? I just created this myself this morning. Quit worrying about who is listening to you and start worrying about whether you are listening to God, we're, we're called to obedience. We're called to follow regardless of, uh, of, of who responds. We have a job to do. Bill Belichick, who's the famous coach of the, the New England Patriots, one of his slogans for his team and his organization is to simply do your job. To do it, to do it right, to do it well. And, and that's what God's calling Moses to here. Do your job, be obedient. Regardless of what everybody else is doing around you, you do what you're supposed to do. You do it faithfully. Remember, your job is to follow him. So when things are tough and difficult, that doesn't change. We keep following him in obedience. Last point I want to give you today is to remember your limitations are factored. Remember that your limitations are factored. Again, Moses wants to raise that concern. I'm not a very good speaker. Like, I'm not going to be able to accomplish this. Again, we don't bring some new thing to God that causes him to have to change his plan to accommodate us, right? Accommodations are what teachers have to make to students when there's factors that, that need to be considered that weren't previously. No accommodations needed for us. God factors everything in. He knows it from the beginning. No changes need to be made. Now, I told you, these gene this genealogy is kind of odd and weird. One, because genealogies are difficult to read, right? Like I read it one time to you. I'm not reading it again to you, right? Because the names would come out totally different the second time I read through it for you probably, but they're important, 
right? They're important because we believe that every word of God is inspired. Every word of God is intentional. It's here for a reason. Why is it here? Why is it here for us? I think two things. One, genealogies show individuals to be historically important. They show individuals to be historically important. These are real men here, Moses and Aaron. The genealogy shows us these aren't two shadowy figures that come out of the desert claiming to have power to lead Israel out of Egypt. These are real historical men. They had mommies, they had daddies, they had siblings, they had birthdays, right? These are real people here. Notice that that the, the author Moses gives us the purpose for including these genealogies. It says in uh, verse 26 and 27, these are the Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said. You go to the end of 27, this Moses and this Aaron. It's these Aaron, these, this Moses, this Aaron, to whom the Lord said. They're historical living figures. I think the way that uh, he traces the historical heritage here reminds us that specific individuals have specific problems and they make up for the cared people of God, right? We talk about God's people as this big picture thing. I mean, we know that there were, there were thousands and thousands and thousands into the millions of Hebrews at this time. And God's gonna care for his people as a group, but he's also concerned about the individual. And that's where we fit into this. You and your individual problems this week. His compassion and his concern and his care aren't just for the global universal church, They're for you as an individual this week when you start your week too. He cares for us. He keeps his promises. These individual names, as hard as they may be to read, they're here for us to see that Moses and Aaron are real people and they come from real people who have real problems. Some of these individuals you can read about and see kind of who they are in history. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Um, Korah is a guy who was swallowed by the earth because he rebelled against Moses' leadership. He's in the bad group. Nadab and Abihu, they were killed for performing strange worship once they come out of Egypt. But Phineas is a guy who stepped up for God's holiness. One commentator said, Phineas is known for doing the best of things in the worst of times. Right? When everybody was doing the wrong thing, Phineas says, we're not going to do that anymore. He took a spear and took things into his own hands and cut out the sin in the camp. Right? These are individuals. And they matter to God. Every individual bears his image and every individual matters before him. We all stand before him to give an account. It's important to see this on a day where we celebrate the sanctity of human life, that every individual matters. They're important. Genealogies show us that importance as we're plowing through Exodus and seeing the people of God mentioned. Those people are made up of an individual group. Like individuals make up that people and they're important to God. But I think, too, this genealogy helps us to see that, that Moses and Aaron, they're historically important because they're called and prepared for their ministry in Egypt. Their choice was intentional. Number two, genealogies show individuals to be humanly limited. Yes, Aaron and Moses, they are real men. But the second piece of that is that they are only men. They're only men. They're men that were empowered by God. God still empowers individuals today. There wasn't anything unique or special. In fact, Moses has gone to great lengths to show us how unspecial he is. But the genealogy helps us to see that these are only men. This Aaron and this Moses, to whom the Lord said, they were limited figures. The historical tracing here reminds us 
of these two men and about how they're to become, uh, who they're about to become is only possible because of God. Because they were, they were just flowing right out of this, this family tree, this family line that had good people and bad people and weaknesses and strengths. God calls them out to be his leaders for his people. Real men, but only men. They're just as limited as their other family members with real deficiencies that God must work through to accomplish his plans. Jeremiah 1.5 reminds us of how important each individual is and how God knows each individual. As he's talking to Jeremiah, he says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. God says, I knew you before you even knew yourself. Which is a crazy thought to have. Before we were even self-aware of ourselves, God knew us. And he knew what he was calling us to. And he accounted for all of the accommodations we would need to accomplish his purposes for him. God's calling enables us. The fact that he calls us, he enables us with his power to complete whatever it is he gives to us. Ephesians 2.10 says he's called us to good works that he preordained for us to do. I mean, these things were set in motion before we even chose to, to, to do anything. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Philippians 1.6 says when he starts a good work, he finishes the good work. The implication for us, if we know who he is, we know we must follow him regardless of the responses around us and the limitations within us. If we know who he is, like if we really have a grasp on who the I am is, the the Yahweh of the Old Testament as revealed, we know we can't not follow him. It's not an option. It's not something that we get to consider. We have to follow him. The way he's revealed himself, we have to. Now, I told you, I think this genealogy is given to us at a specific place in the story for a reason. I think it's placed here because a distinct changing of the story takes place from this point on. It's like things haven't been great up to this point. Like overall, the story, it's not been great so far for God's people. It's been harsh. It's been difficult. It's been challenging. There's been opposition, but things are about to change. We're about to see a different story moving forward. It's uh, to, to use a, a football illustration once again. And you don't have to know football to get this. Um, but back in the late 2000s, uh, the Florida Gators were kind of a dominant team in college football, and, and they had won a national championship in 2006. 2007, they had a lot of those guys back, but they went nine and four, and they weren't great. Um, at the time, Georgia beat them, which was huge because we weren't great either. Uh, and we were super excited about that. And then the next season, they started out, and I think they won their first four games, but it wasn't overly impressive. And then they got upset by Ole Miss. Um, and I remember watching the press conference after that game because I was, like, super excited. I was like, I hate the Florida Gators. They lost. It's early in the season. Yeah. Like, we're going to get them. I remember watching the press conference, and their star quarterback, Tim Tebow's up there, and he's talking, and, and he's kind of explaining the game. And, I mean, he's dejected, and he's got tears, and I'm like, Yeah you lost, right? And then he gives a speech at the end of this game that is memorialized on the side of the Florida Gators Stadium today because it was a passionate speech and it changed the trajectory of their season, right? And it it wasn't like a special speech. It was just passionate. I mean, he began to say like, hey, we ain't losing again. Like, I'm going to work harder than anybody you've ever seen and our team's going to play better than any team you've ever seen. And, And he said, God bless and walked off the stage, 
And my celebration changed because I looked, I, I just thought to myself, I said, man, they're not going to lose again. Like they're, they're going to win the national championship. Like it was, I don't even play for that team. And I was like, let's go. Like I want to play for, I want to go play with you right now. Right. This genealogy is placed here because it's like, Hey, things change from here on out. I mean, up to this point, you've got Moses coming to Pharaoh and he's like, Hey, let God's people go. And Pharaoh's like, no, Moses kind of walks away. But what we see from here on out is one, Moses stops floundering in his obedience. He changes. Moving forward, he buys into God's plan and and, and he starts to obey. And moving forward, God's not taking no for an answer from Pharaoh. I mean, we're about to see the plagues come flowing from God's hand because he is going to set his people free. So this is kind of the changing point of the story. And I think that's why the genealogy is inserted here. Because it's like, hey, this Aaron... This Moses, they're the ones that do everything from here on out. And this story is about to change drastically. Now the time to put on God's power comes. We're going to put it on display and the miraculous signs are coming and he is going to be known. All the balking at obedience by Moses, that's about to change moving forward. The dominance of Egypt over Israel, that's about to shift drastically. We're about to see God's people win here. I think this genealogy is inserted because it kind of breaks the story up and says, here's where it changes, right? We've been floundering as a team before, and now we're about to win. We ain't losing again, right? Like we're about to go all the way. That's exactly what we're going to see as Exodus continues to unfold. Our application for today, sometimes serving the Lord can be discouraging. And there will come times when you are tempted to stop following him. But in those times, you need to preach to yourself And find others to preach to you as well. The simple message that he is the I am. That's the message you need to hear. And if you've got counsel in your life that's not reminding you of that constantly, it's not the right counsel. Whatever it is you're going through, you need counselors in your life that are telling you he is the I am. That's the answer to our problems. On the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses what? I am the Lord. I am the all-sufficient one. I'm the one that's calling the shots. I'm the one that's committed to my promises. I'm the one that's committed to my people. I'm the one that will show compassion. I'm the one that will bring salvation. That's the message we need to hear. This is always the answer to our doubts and our excuses that we feel. It's always the answer to the opposition and difficulties that we encounter. We keep doing our job. We follow him well. We recognize that the excuses, the limitations, he's already accommodated that. We trust him. He's the I am. He is the Lord. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this passage. We thank you for the foundational truths that it gives us that allow us to leave today and approach this week with confidence, knowing that we can trust you with whatever circumstances come our way. Lord, we want to follow you, believing that you are going to win every battle that comes before us. And even when it looks like we're losing, you're working faithfully. God, give us an increase in faith and trust in you. Help our unbelief when it springs up in our life. When excuses are, are flowing from our, our, our lips, God, I pray that you would silence them. And turn our attention back to who you are. Lord, when we see opposition standing in our path, help us not to turn around and go back. Lord, help us not to give up on what you've called us to do. Lord, we thank you for what has happened here in the book of Exodus. We thank you for your faithfulness in the past. 
It gives us confidence for your ongoing faithfulness today, tomorrow, and forever. Lord, I pray that we would be submitted to you in faithfulness. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org. Again, that's www.sovhope.org.